Hello, hello, and welcome back to DFT's Dungeon. My name is Daniel Terry, and you are listening to episode five of season three of this podcast. So for this episode, I decided that instead of doing it all by myself, I called up my good friend Matt Nas of the Roach Coach podcast to talk about Brainchild by Circle of Dust. Now, this is a record that I've been obsessed with for probably the better part of two decades. I don't even really like industrial music that much, but I love Circle of Dust. There's just something to the quality of songwriting that really resonates with me and sort of takes me back to an era of my life that uh, used to actually scare me. What do you mean by that, Dan? Well, I'll get into it in the conversation. Guys, make sure you check Matt out in his podcast, Roach Coach, that posts every single week right here on Gabber Media. If you guys are into new metal, Roach Coach is the premier new metal podcast that you should be listening to. And if you guys like the podcast, make sure you're subscribed to it so you don't miss any new episodes whenever they post. And you can always follow the podcast on all the various social media places. I've got links in the show notes of this episode where you can follow the podcast online. Or if you just have a question for me, send me an email at dftdungeon at gmail.com. Even if I don't respond to it right away, I do check all my emails, so I will get to it eventually. And if you guys really love the podcast and you want to find a way to support it financially, there is a way, and that way is Patreon. I've got a link in the show notes of this episode that will take you to the wonderful world of Patreon. And with all of that out of the way, let's get into my chat with Matt Nas of the Roach Coach Podcast, all about Circle of Dust's brainchild. listed all of your he-man yes uh memorabilia yes yeah it was time so i was an avid collector in my childhood i I loved it and that picture kind of proves it i did not realize how much stuff i had like first wave second wave third wave fourth wave to the final wave i'm missing like 10 characters like clamp champ or whatever Right. Scareglow, fake or there's not a lot. Like there's a snake face. There's there's like these little one-offs that I'm missing, but like I have so much stuff. And none of it's complete. Like this guy's complete. This is Zor, I believe. And this is Screech. Screech is complete. This is an evil horde thing. And it has like the a silly name. They all have silly names, but this one is... This is Monstroid. Monstroid. <laughs> Monstroid. But yeah, it was it was one of those things where I have a near, near complete collection that's not even near complete in terms of items. All of it is like this. This is probably a solid good. It's missing paint. 
up there, but like it's so rare that nobody. It doesn't look faded though at all. Like it no, still like, looks shiny and it's and super new. shiny. So I would say probably good to very good on that. But yeah. Definitely not near mint because I never rate anything near mint. Even when I sell records, it's like if it's unopened, I'm like vinyl assumed mint. <laughs> like is what I, I yeah. I sold my whole vinyl collection uh, about a year ago to pay for a new roof, which is was one of the most nerve wracking experiences of my life because of how vinyl collectors are. And so, like, I found myself in every listing over-explaining the condition of the vinyl, like being like, listen, this record looks pretty good. It plays pretty good. It was from my personal collection. I enjoy music, so I listened to these records, uh, yep. all of them, multiple times, uh, anytime the mood struck me, really, <laughs> you know, yep. all of that. And then eventually I had to just change the condition to, like, good because nobody because people were like, He's talking too much about this. There must be something deeply wrong with these records. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm a big within the last four years collector. So I really started collecting in 2019, I would say, like right before COVID started. Okay. 2018, 2019, I started collecting. And so all of my stuff is new. Right. You know, like a lot of my stuff is very, very new. And I just was like, well, I'm an adult now. I'm going to buy MoFi, MoFi sleeves and I'm going to buy bags. So everything's bagged and sleeved. So yeah. I'm like, it's all VG plus. It's all VG plus. Yeah. Is yeah. it Don't perfect? Don't worry about it. Is it perfect? No. But is it better than somebody who didn't do, who left it in the paper sleeves? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. I didn't take a razor knife to any grooves. I think we're going to be okay. If you're going to be fine. You're going to yeah. you're going to be like this is graded conservatively. Like that's right. a, that's a really good one to do too. Oh, I graded it conservatively. I'll and, have to remember that. Oh Luckily, yeah. Luckily I I wheel and deal mostly in CDs now because number one they're ultra cheap. CDs are weird because you you can find so when I collected vinyl I didn't collect variants at all because they were so expensive as it was it's like do I want that alternate cover yeah but I'm not willing to chuck out another 40 to 50 bucks just for another See, that was alternate cover that was the thing that got me about a like a mondo release what I found with mondo is like I would buy a mondo release that had the variant vinyl and variant cover and then it's still a soundtrack that i've listened to once so i sold like all of those i was like and yeah. i don't buy them anymore it's like this is not what i want to collect right. it's cool i mean that's what it gets you with it's like oh this is really cool but it's like at 46 very few people are coming over to see my cool vinyl collection Hey, if I ever come over to your house, that's the first thing I'm going to want to see. You is, will see it, and you will, we will be like, this is really cool. This but, is so <laughs> neat. But yeah, uh, with the exception of, you know, other podcasters or other music fanatics. Yeah, right. It's, yeah. But and, as a general rule, if it's like a new release, so let's see, JPEG Mafia and Danny Brown put out an album this year called Scaring the Hose, uh, nice. because that's how they work. And they did two covers and clear vinyl on one. And I bought the one with the clear vinyl. And there will be another release that just has black vinyl. And I will always buy the clear vinyl because it's limited. And if there's a market at all, the limited ones always sell first. You're going to get out of it what you paid for minimum. I'm just looking to break even and or you know some things i've done incredibly well on most everything i'm break even on and then there's just some stinkers i'm a member of vinyl me please still 
and they'll send me like I'll be in the hip hop one. I need to stop because I love hip hop, but hip hop on vinyl is not the greatest experience. Yeah. I don't think hip hop really lends itself to be experienced on vinyl very well. I think yeah. in a club setting it does better, but like in a home setting with a five-year-old running around setting, it's like maybe it's not the time to put on the Rock Wilder. <laughs> sure. Yeah, maybe right now isn't. I mean, I love Method Band, but maybe now it's not the night best time for Tical. Or right. or or to hear juvenile <laughs> headphones. That's my that's been my big passion. And I actually it, to to get onto this episode's topic. And I'm going to contradict myself here a little bit when I say I don't have variants. Uh, I have here the subject of this week's episode, which is well, it's two albums really, but it's two albums, but it's one album. You've got Brainchild's Mind Warp, which was released, I believe, in 1992 on REX Music. And then it was re-released in 1994 under the band name of Circle of Dust, also on REX. And um, speaking of variants and, and weird collections, if you didn't know, Matt, REX it was a Christian music label from the early 90s that was started by a guy named Doug Mann. Okay. He founded it in 1987 with the idea of like, I'm going to start a label that's going to sign Christian bands, but it's all going to be like metal bands or extreme bands, like because alternative was a word that everybody threw around back then. So it was like... Oh, everything was alternative. Industrial really wasn't even a word. It was just alternative. And alternative could be ministry, but also could be Jesus and Mary Chain. Right. (laughs) Right. Like, yeah. Okay. Well, that's not even Sonic Youth is is alternative, and so is Mother Love Bone. Right. Oh. Okay. <laughs> sure. Well, they signed. Oh, sorry. I was like, that's great, Matt. They signed the. No. Hey, Matt. Don't care about your insights here. No, I do. Yeah, you lived through the 90s, Matt. No one cares. Well, we're going to get into what I did in the 90s, which was not a whole lot of living, I don't think. I remember when I was younger and I was in church. I went to a Pentecostal church when I was like, I think between the ages of about 5 and 12. So Pentecostal, I grew up Lutheran, and Lutherans are very Catholic light. Missouri Senate Lutheran, very much like, hey, we're the frozen chosen. We're doing it right, which I believe if you're going to have a church is what everybody should feel. Everybody should feel in that place like we're the ones who are doing it right. Yeah, I think it's part of the... So you're starting a church handbook, yeah. It's like, you know, here's your catechism because we're doing it right. (laughs) Well, Pentecostal was more like, I I don't even... And I'm probably going to totally butcher it because I'm going off of childhood memories. But essentially, we, my sister and my mom, it was very conservative. Like the women in the church were not allowed to cut their hair. And mm-hmm. they had to, they had to wear like, you know, ankle length skirts everywhere. The men had to keep their hair cut and clean. And, you know, we're encouraged to wear like night, you know, like Sunday best and stuff. And so there was a lot of like preaching or speaking in tongues and, and just all kinds of like, I have a lot of memories of like old people running around the church. Like they came in in a walker and then they, they become filled with the spirit. And they, they throw the walker on the ground and then they take off running around the around the pews. I mean, it seemed like they were all having a great time. Uh, yeah. But as a child, the message that I got from that church the most was, we're doing it right. 
right? So they got they got that part. You know, we're doing it right, but let's focus exclusively on how everybody else is not doing it right. Ooh, a favorite. You know, yeah. And so basically, like, we didn't have it. I didn't have a TV growing up during that age. We had a TV before when I was significantly younger. Uh, I vaguely remember my sister having a Nintendo at one point, but pretty much the entire time we attended that church, there was no TV, very limited radio. Like you could listen to sermons and like maybe worship music on a cassette, but it was very like the world outside is a scary place. And speaking of living through the 90s, the 90s were a time, I mean, not that it's all that different than modern times or times before that, where, you know, you had a lot of violence, a lot of shootings, a lot of pandemics, you know, you had all of these things going on in the world. And I'm sitting there in this little church and they're telling me all of the reasons why I should continue to be afraid of it. And how that ties into Brainchild by Circle of Dust is this record has an atmosphere that is very the world ended in the 90s. Does that make sense? Like it's it's okay. the it's the yeah. 90s. It's the 90s version of the cyberpunk future that we're all going to die in, right? Yep. And so that was that was part of my initial appeal to this record whenever I first heard it because I didn't even know what industrial music was. whenever I first found out about Circle of Dust because when you're when you're looking for Christian music you're just looking for Christian bands right and they're like well this this loosely falls into the category of Christian metal and it's on REX which has other Christian metal bands on it like Living Sacrifice and bands like that and I think Believer was on REX as well I've got almost I've collected almost every single REX release since they went out of business in 1995 but that was my first appeal was like all of the samples, all of the like clips from movies that I hadn't seen. Yes, yes, <laughs> you know? yes, yes. And so this record terrified me the first time that I heard it because it kind of reminded me of this is what the world felt like when I was a kid. It was like this big, scary place with all these horrible things happening. And so I think it's interesting if that's my first impression of that record. Matt, you listened to it for the first time in 2023. Yes, this took me right back. This is this sound really came to be in the early 90s. The like ministry cemented it, I would say, with Psalm 69, which that this yeah. came out at the same time, like in 1992, Psalm 69 hit. This comes out at 92, and they are like blood brothers they use the same samples yeah like there's so much overlap in this record both of them hardcore george bush samples in it i was like wow like talk about parallel thinking like it is right there because psalm 69 came out in the fall so like yeah. these these were like on top of each other <laughs> i yeah. was i was shocked i i really was i was like how have i never heard circle of dust like and i think i i figured it out was because and it's one of these stupid things that because they were a christian band the owner of the record store that i went to was very much 
not into Christian music. So yeah. Circle of Dust was never going to be like a suggestion that he did. And mentally, because I'm a dum-dum sometimes, I'll get bands mixed up in my head. Yeah. And forever, I thought Circle of Dust was Cradle of Filth. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really embarrassing, but it is the truth. Because like today, I was like looking at Circle of Dust, and I put in Cradle of Filth. And I'm like... That's not the band I'm looking for. Yeah. I've seen I've seen this lead singer a couple of times now. By the way, very cyber, super 90s cyber looking guy. Oh yeah. I loved it. I loved it. It took me right back right back to right back to City Club, you know, tight mesh shirt, short sleeve shirt, glow sticks, big jeans, huge Jinko jeans, big flowy jean action. But man, I love this. I, this is this is right in my industrial sweet spot. This is so fun. It's interesting because it's like, I think part of the reason too that you would have never been recommended this is, number one, I don't know what kind of distribution REX Records, you know, had mm -hmm. in, you know, because I know a lot of the Christian music that was coming out in the early 90s was only distributed in that scene. Right. Right. So like it was either through mail order or you you know had to get it at a christian bookstore which was a struggle for the labels anyway because like just listening to this album i don't think that you would just naturally be like i i could feel the uh the life-changing power of christ in these you know in these songs um, no this was this was completely a get to the boards we got to talk about whether this is a christian band or not yeah. I am sure the boards, well, I mean, 92 wasn't really the boards time, but uh, I'm sure in later albums, when they revisited this one, the boards were aflame with a circle of dust, even a Christian band. Yeah, well, there's a whole history, and I'll try to give as much of the history as I can in just a minute or two versus a three-hour diatribe, because there actually is a Circle of Dust documentary that I really should have watched at some point today, but then I woke up and I was all like, I like money. I guess I should head to my place of employment now. <laughs> I understand. Uh, so from what I know of Circle of Dust, it was started by one guy uh, who goes by the name of Clayton, but that wasn't the name he always went by, but that's his like most recent alias. He was actually in a like a Christian thrash band before this and eventually started getting into more electronic music. He got signed with REX and put out his first Circle of Dust album, the self-titled, in 1992. But apparently he, like, absolutely hated it. Like, okay. he was like, the recording studio sucks. The budget is, is, is not a budget. This record sounds like trash. I hate it. So whenever a few years rolled by, I think they were like, you need to record a new album simultaneous to him recording that circle of dust album he got together with doug mann the owner of the label and they did a side project which was called brainchild and so brainchild comes out in 1992 at the same time as the first circle of dust album and the two bands obviously sounded so similar 
<laughs> that it was kind of a no-brainer whenever like they get to 1994 and they're like we need a new circle of dust release right from you yesterday <laughs> you know he's like yo let's put out brain <laughs> let's put out brainchild and just call it circle of dust and then they did that and then for whatever reason they're like okay we did this that had to have given you enough time to write a new album and he's like yeah cool so then he goes into the studio and into a nicer studio in 1995 and re-records the original self-titled circle of dust album the way he wants it you right know? which was just like really confusing if you're a guy in like the 2005s 2006s that's trying to collect all of the rex albums and is like trying to understand like is this new is what is <laughs> yeah the track listings are different but the cover is the same and one says 1990 copyright 1995 on the back the other one says copyright 1992 and I think the one, so I have the 1992 release on cassette and I've got, this is the 1995 one, but the cover is exactly the same. So if you see this in a, in a record store, you got to flip that bad boy over to figure you out. Gotta, you know. got to do a deep dive on them tracks. Absolutely. But I'll be honest with you. I'm more of a brainchild fan, I think, than I am a circle of dust fan. Interesting. And I think a lot of that just has to do with just my more more of my preference for metal and heavier mm -hmm. riffs and stuff. And I remember actually because I had heard I'd been listening to this record for several years before I ever heard Fear Factory. And I remember people describing Fear Factory to me and me being like, yo, I wonder if you know, I wonder if this is gonna be it. Like I'm gonna go listen to Fear Factory and they're gonna have way more albums and I'm I'm gonna really get into it. And I did, I did love Fear Factory. Obviously. Oh yeah. There's um, a lot to love there. Yeah. There's something about Brainchild, like you were saying, it has almost a, like I would consider a band like Fear Factory to predominantly be a metal band first. Okay, I'm not going to fight that because, I mean, you could go to an album, you know, yeah. and you could be like, well, I don't know about this album, but probably on the macro, I don't know if I'd win the argument. That's fair. And I'm not going to have the argument with you because there's pro right. you're probably right. The first Fear Factory record I ever got was Soul of a New Machine, which was more of like a death metal type of record that had some electronic elements in it. Mm -hmm. But I guess, yeah, once you get into like demanufacture, <laughs> you know, and there's obsolete, kind of no, yeah. and obsolete, there's no going back uh, to just being purely a metal band. Yep. But Circle of Dust on Brainchild, I would say, is an industrial band first and foremost. Yes. That has sort of brought in all of these. They're really almost using the riffs as, I wouldn't say background noise, but they're definitely addressing. <laughs> over over what is, is is essentially a pure industrial sound. Yeah, when industrial metal got more than like in metal when I listen to metal, you'll get the riff and then you'll go into the song. Like right. you'll have a very powerful riff that gets you and then there's a transition that happens when you get to the vocals. Industrial is much more about the sequence. So I am using a sequencer. So if we've got a riff and the riff can go on forever, then that's what we're going to, it's a loop. We're literally going to be singing over that the whole time. There is a lot less guitar heroics. There is much more of like, do, 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 do. It's driving. It is very driving. But then when you get to the vocals, there is no vocal unprocessed. 
Yes. Nothing clean in these vocals. Not at all, which is funny because Clayton has a really nice singing voice that he's used in other bands and other projects. But on this record, it is just absolute pure computer trash yep. for, lack of, for lack of a better way to describe it. And to kind of like take in the them saying we're on a Christian label, we're not making secular music, we're making this music that has a secular sound. Of course, th- the audience is not going to hear ministry. Right. Like they aren't going to get, they're not going to hear KMFDM. They're not going to hear Drug Against War. Right. Like they're going to hear this and it's like, okay, now things are starting to Tetris together to, for me. It's like, this thing is happening and they're going like we we have where we fit and sometimes like when you get to do what you want to do and you find the place that you fit let's roll it baby <laughs> let's go yeah, yeah totally i mean it, it's funny because that that was largely my experience in heavy music especially was that kind of like you know nobody on planet earth except me whenever somebody's like yo you should check out fear factory was like i wonder if they sound like circle of dust you know what i mean like there's right. there nobody's thinking that you know the first time i heard cannibal corpse i was like i wonder if they sound like mortification or i wonder if you know i wonder if metallica sounds like deliverance <laughs> you know and right like those yeah, you have of- like this pass filter that it has to go through it's like hey there is a secular band named x and you're like, oh well, let me let me put that through the machine to see if I can find a yeah. parallel. Yeah, but I think that what's interesting about this record and the reason I listen to it now, still, like I still I drove and I drove and saw Zayo a couple years ago. I drove all the way to Indy, and I didn't bring any CDs with me. And my phone was like, yeah, you're gonna have to plug me in for me to do anything for at least two to three hours on this like little drip charger that I had plugged into a cigarette lighter. <laughs> But Brainchild was in the CD player. And so I drove the entire like five hour journey up from St. Louis, just listening to this record over and over and over again. And it's so good for that, just because of the sheer variety of everything that's going on on the record. You don't have very many songs on here that repeat the exact same vibe. Yeah. Like you can start off with something like Regressor, which is, well, Aggressor aggressive regressor aggressive mix i remember hearing that and thinking like oh my god like this is this is the heaviest moment on the record mm-hmm. because it's so it starts off with that the, those like really really creepy like ice cold synths and just a repeated drum loop and then these like very 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 chunky ultra thick unnecessarily heavy riffs playing over this because that's the one thing that i think is weird about this record is that like you can tell this guy used to be in a metal band because he gives like other industrial bands had guitar yeah but not to this extent (laughs) at least not in 1992 not this thick (laughs) it's definitely thick it's definitely 
Like that's why ministry is like the analog to it. It's like that is because just one fix and NWO and that record. I mean, Psalm 69 has very much that same feeling to it, but it's different. It's it is not one to one, but it's just like they are. Like I said, they're blood brothers because it's just like even tone tonally. There's songs where I'm just like, this is right. They're they're right in the pocket with each other. And it's weird because our, our brains are like, who listened to who? You know yeah. what I mean? That, that's the, especially with the total polar opposite of uh, worldviews going on. Oh, yeah. I think that's what's so interesting about it is that like neither one of them would ever even admit to listening to the other, <laughs> even right. if, you know, I mean, I don't know what, I don't know what uh, Clayton believes now, nor does it really affect my life in any way, <laughs> any way, right, shape, exactly. or form. I know that like he put out those first three circle of dust albums that were basically only two and then he released another circle of dust album after that called disengage which was him basically just like disengaging with the church and and all of that it's funny because on this record you can already start hearing hints of that because i've listened to a lot of christian metal albums from the early 90s and they're usually so concerned with making christian metal into a thing (laughs) that they that they are very over the top with their presentation of of what their message is yeah where i didn't necessarily get that in this record what i what i got a lot more was like very current event based like if the question is how do we move the kingdom, then perhaps this is an exploration of where we are in this place. You know, right. like there is a lot of George Bush, you know, talking like, oh, this is the debt. Like there's a song about debt. And yeah, how, yeah. He's like, he's like, we are not coming apart at the seams. And We're United States. Yeah. <laughs> like over. Right. And, over and it was again. just like kind of coming into like, you know give Caesars what it's Caesars. It was very like a very, I enjoyed pointing out hypocrisy in this way. That was more like, Hey man, this thing that everybody thinks is so great. Maybe it's not so great. And yeah. and I think they did it in a way that was much more like, it's just like, Oh, I don't know. I saw, I saw that clip. It's been going around again with that little kid. Like though it's, it's a cable access Bible show. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, Johnny's going to give us something new. And he starts rapping. <laughs> he like, now Clayton's going to give us something new. And he's like, George Bush lied to us. He lied to us. Yeah, they should. De- the American people should demand that their president tell the truth. You know, like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you didn't hear that with Christian bands at the time. Dude, the, the 700 Club was absolutely not having this conversation. No, as weird as things are right now, the big mainstream push against this point was against political correctness. Was right. very much like, and against this idea of the family. So there would not be a thought in my head that a Christian band would take a moment to be like, hey, uh, what's going on, guys? Well, and you've even got a song like uh, like Deviate, which is my absolute personal favorite song on the record. Shotgun. Yeah. Life, it's my 
and deviate seems to be i'm not saying a direct quote here but seems to be like very pro gun control which is just absolutely wild because it's it's filled with clips of just like shotguns firing machine guns in interviews he's like how many shots were fired he's like uh he shot the guy shot and then i took off running there's a part where it it opens up with a guy like one step closer i'm warning you you know there's a part he's like the lady's all like god hates well i've got hate you know and it's like at the end of the song you know, he's got a guy who's like, here's how I would rule the universe. I would say just wipe them out, get rid of them, destroy them, decimate. And for the longest time, I thought that he was specifically talking about guns. You know, like get rid mm-hmm. of them, destroy them, decimate. But I reread the lyrics this week, and it seems to just be more of a critique of violence in general. And there's another song on the album where he talks about like crusades, like Christians killing in the name of God. And it's all just stuff that like I expect to hear on a record that sounds like this. Yeah. But I don't expect it to come from that spiritual place. I think that's I think that's why it works so well. You and I have both heard some of the corniest shit. Yeah that's ever been done and with this there isn't a moment where i'm like i don't believe you which is a big freaking deal it's a big deal for kids it's a big deal for me when i'm 12 like there were you know or 16 in 1992 i was pretty close to 16 i want to say but like i was holy shit okay Anyway, I'm old. It's a big deal. Authenticity counts, and we know when we're being lied to. Yeah. And and we know it even more now. And it just is like you have to point out hypocrisy even when it's uncomfortable. And something like this, when I hear it, it works. It works because it is like nobody's backyard is clean. We've got to figure. Everybody's got something to figure out. Nobody's getting off the hook here. We're all people. We all make mistakes. Whether you put a Christian ethic on that, where it's like we're all born into sin, whatever. Nobody is perfect. Humans are bound to screw things up. It is yes. literally what we do. With the sheer amount of samples that are on this CD. Oh, I love it. I, I, I do too, because I was just listening to it before you signed on. And I heard a sample that I had never even noticed before. And it's in the uh, aggressor regressive mix, which is basically the same song, but just like a little bit more chill. I think the guitars are, are pulled back a little bit. It sounds like something from the, and I know it's not, but it sounds like something from the DK rap. It's oh. just going on in the background and he's all like, and here you go, or something like that. And I was like, I thought that like there was a video playing, you know, in another window or something. I was he's like, what? He's got no style. He's got no grace. He goes around with a funny face. First time you've ever heard the word hell in a Nintendo game. You got to wait all the way to the end of the rap when he's like, he's one hell of a guy. And you're like, whoa. Whoa. Nintendo is edgy. Personal favorite quotes or personal favorite samples that I've heard on this record is right in the first song, Cranial Tyrant, where he's like, how long you been working for old hog face? And he's like, I am old hog face. Don't know where it's from, 
Don't care. It's from Brainchild. That's awesome. That one was good. Let's see. There's Regressor, which has... And I could be wrong, but when did the Street Fighter movie camp come out? Oh, oh, good question. I'm looking right now. 1994. So okay. they could have added it. I mean... With the, they in didn't. The, it's in the original 1992 one. Uh, there was, yeah, it did sound like there was some Street Fighter clips in there, though. That, uh, that get him. Yeah. The, the oh, there did sound all. like that. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it sounded yeah. like there was Mortal Kombat hits in Chops in, in one of the songs. I didn't take great notes in one no, of the songs. Good. It's all up to you now. Let's see. We've got the Everybody's Dead. Everybody's Dead. They're all dead, which is from The Abyss. Mm -hmm. I had to look that one up. But I actually remember watching The Abyss on VHS in this very basement an embarrassingly short amount of time ago. I was like, oh, so that's where that clip's from. And like, I've been doing that pretty much because I didn't have TV when I was younger. Right. Yeah. So it was like a lot of these movies and a lot of these clips. I just, I heard the clips. I didn't know what they were from. I thought that they were awesome. I thought that they all fit in really, really well, you know, with that, with the album. And then it's like, after all these years, it's like, I'm unlocking another piece of this puzzle box, you know, where I'm like, oh, okay, this is where, where he got this. I think the ones from deviate are like, I think those are all just from like news broadcasts. Is that's what, what it sounds, it sounds like. like. They absolutely sound like news clips. And that song actually had a video for it. And uh, I found it on YouTube, but it's like, there's only a minute and 20 seconds of it. And it's just, it's Circle of Dust, like like rock, like a thrash band, just rocking out you know, as hard as they possibly can. Long hair everywhere. The video just cuts off and the guy says, yeah, this is the original video or what's left of it. And it's like, and you can barely hear it. Like the volume's like, like almost completely gone. And it's just weird to me, like that a band I hate to say it, that a band this good is just completely kind of unknown. Because you've got Cell Dweller, which was massively successful. I want to say Cell Dweller became a thing probably... It was right after Circle of Dust disappeared when he came back as Cell Dweller. And that just, that just absolutely took off. And that was actually one of the first things I did read in Christian forums. Is Cell Dweller a Christian band? <laughs> <laughs> because I know it was the guy from Circle of Dust, but he must have abandoned his faith because I think I heard a fuck bomb on one of the songs. Oh, big and, old fuck you know, bomb. He ruined yeah, you it. You gotta hate those. Honestly, back then, that was de facto how you knew whether a band was a Christian band or not, was how much profanity was on their record. Especially in the 90s, that, that actually was a pretty good rule of thumb until I think probably like 2006, 2007, when Christian bands were just like, we're just going to say whatever we want. Thanks. I love it. If we want to go down this road, I think too that like it's a lot of that had the no cussing rule and like the, the sort of leave it to beaver cleanliness mm -hmm. of Christian music. A lot of that 100% had to do with distribution because the Christian bookstores would not take it yep. if it had profanity in it or if it had, you know, any type of like right. sexual content or, or anything that, you know, and I hate to say it, that this is kind of true, I think, of, of a lot of different. It, it's weird how you've got Christianity at large, which is composed of countless denominations, countless versions of what a lot usually amounts to the same thing. Yeah. Right. But then you've got just Christian music. I've never I've never heard of like Catholic music, <laughs> you know, nope. or, or, or Baptist music or Lutheran music. I mean, Lutheran music, it's going to have an organ. It's just going to. 
my wife is Lutheran, so I <laughs> I became very well acquainted with with all of that. Which is funny because whenever we first met, I was like, I don't even I don't even know if Lutherans are Christians, you know, because <laughs> I came from such an extreme denomination at the time. I think a lot of that extremity translated into sort of this this interest in this type of music, this like darker kind of uh, kind of kind of grittier stuff. And I think this record is exactly the kind of thing that I always sort of wanted out of my Christian music, but very yeah. rarely got. That makes sense. That totally makes sense. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I mean, I was the whole time like, how have I never heard this band? They're very good. This would have fit in right with everything else that I was listening to. Yeah, it's, I, and it's very 90s, but I love it. But I do need to talk about prayers of a dead man all right let's go because uh this one this one was the corniest i want to say song on the album because right in the middle of it he decides to say the old now i lay me yeah And whenever I hear the, the Now I Lay Me, the twist is always what you say after. And, and if I should die before I wake, then what? <laughs> like yeah. It's always, and, and if I were to die before I wake, make sure to give me some shake and bake. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Like where you go from here is the most crucial moment of whether you're going to pull this segment of the song off or not. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But it is, it is very, it stuck out like, oh, is Circle of Dust a Christian band? Yeah, it, yeah. It very much, we've been very complimentary to how they've been able to weave in faith and examining the culture that you're in with a skeptical eye or just like with an eye that's like, hmm, I'm paying attention. And a cover is a giant eye. Yeah, like it's, yeah, yeah. it's a very discerning eye towards what's happening in the world but this song was very much like like if we don't do a straight down the middle you know song where you can tell like we've all said this prayer at, at bedtime and you know the our father was already pretty well done by yaz so we're gonna take not do the our father right we're we're going straight with the now i lay me because that's a that's a good one um Metallica is going to do it, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, th this was definitely feels like a, they are not going to let us play Cornerstone this year unless uh, you know <laughs> type of uh, type of type of thing. Can you imagine what? the lineup of like <laughs> the hippos, Circle of Dust, Five Iron Frenzy? <laughs> First of all, I would I would go see. <laughs> I would Iron see Frenzy this lineup and Circle of Dust in a heartbeat. <laughs> I mean. Pro honestly, I'd probably never stop talking about it. It'd be like, "Welcome to, welcome to the Five Iron Dungeon." My name's Dan, and uh, we're gonna <laughs> we're, we're gonna bust out the horns tonight. You know, yeah. Well, you know, Cornerstone was full of that sort of stuff. 
you know, it the, just the most insane lineups that you would see. You know, you'd go from something like Five Iron Frenzy into Project 86 into Zayo. You know what I mean? Like just just totally different. Right, you know, way um, different vibe. Yeah, like, dude, if you want, and, and it's funny because like all those bands are friends, right? Because they all came up in such a small scene together. And so, uh, if you, I mean, if you go and look at the uh, Pod Southtown video, their drummer's wearing a Zayo jersey. <laughs> you know, and uh, so it's like you can imagine a kid that's getting into POD for the first time, and then they 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 find these like significantly harder bands or just bands that are just in. Like, do you remember Blaster the Rocket Man? No. All right. Well, next season we're gonna sit down and talk about a Blaster the Rocket Man album because <laughs> I think I think that you would uh, that you would enjoy it. Okay. But yeah, as far as this song goes, I I like this song. Um, and I like it because it is strangely one of their mo- one of the most creative like vocal performances. Mm, okay, and I can definitely I'm, see that. I'm having a great time all the way until I get down to the now <laughs> lay me down to sleep. You know what yep. I mean? Like yep. I'm I'm like this is great because the samples are good. It's like our mission is to save a life, and it's like this whole song is him talking about how he's dying and how he's trying to stay devoted and he's trying to hold on for dear life, but he's dying. And then you've got these like this the samples make it sound like, you know, rescue is imminent, but it's just not there yet. And mm-hmm. you, so like you're you're really feeling it. And then it's like, now I lay me down to sleep. And I was like, oh, okay, so we're just doing a thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I definitely I definitely feel where you're coming from on that. Yeah, it, it was just one of those things where there were so many things that were well done. This one definitely, yeah, this is f- making sure that they can play Cornerstone, where it's just like, got to understand the forgiving yeah. blood of Christ. I'm like, oh, okay, that's what we're doing. <laughs> it's like the confession even on the deathbed with a pure heart means it and i'm like okay all right here we go and now i need me down it's like hey guys sorry one way bookstore is saying that the imagery is a little dark on the record if there's uh, some way you guys could throw something on there to just kind of lighten the mood a little bit or yeah. uh, someone you know, at the bookstore actually up. read tolkien and they say it looks a little too much like the eye of sora yeah and you know that was the bad guy in lord of the rings did you guys not did you guys not pick that up? Is that what? Why did you put that as your as your album cover? Right. Why did you put him? Why did you put the bad guy? It's funny because the record that I'm talking about next week, they commissioned a painting of a nude woman, and you just see her face on the cover. But then if you opened it up, that like the, the first like 400 copies of the CD that were ever released showed the full nude woman in the in the liner notes, and it was being sold in Christian bookstores. And man, if you think that you know. Any controversy going on right now is as big as a controversy as that was. I can tell you that was one of the biggest deals. Get to the boards. <laughs> right. I got to start clacking on these boards as quickly as possible. <laughs> these um, people, boards are on fire right now. <laughs> yeah. The Lord is speaking directly through me, like through my ears, into my hands while I wait for the dial up to go through. In, um, the, f- in the future, this will be a new book of the Bible. <laughs> This is truly the inspired word, inspired word of God. Yeah, I'm going to have my own denomination in probably three to six months after posting this. <laughs> yeah, and f- publish. Yeah, there you go. And it's good. And then, well, no, I've downvoted. Downvoted. I've been called dumb. That's Yeah. You forget about it, and then 20 years later, you're listening to some podcast called Roach Coach, and they're reading your <laughs> comment, and you're like, they're like, hey, they're not, t- hey, I was really serious about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just have you have the three least serious people in the world being like, oh, 
fart flop bloop a doop can you believe this there's there's one more song i want to throw out there which is uh which is pale reflection this song still it's 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 mostly instrumental it's got that famous quote from blade runner yeah it's a shame she won't live but then again who does you know when i'm talking about like how we were you know as kids me and my brother and sister growing up in this church we literally had not the fear of god in us as much as the fear of the world and what the world was going Mm. to do to us and i remember like when I would think about like scary movies or think about like heavy metal, like there was a time where like, you know, they would preach out about like heavy metal and how evil it was. And like, I believe that in face value. I was like, oh yeah, it sounds horrible. You know, it sounds horrible. It sounds like, you know, what people influenced by demons are, are saying these horrible things and, and all this. And it's, and I'm oh, being yeah. told this by somebody oh, that's a hundred years old, kisses, you know? So like, yeah, he can't be wrong. Knights in Satan's service. Yeah. And- their whole thing is to take over your children. So be strong and resist. And like, okay, person who's never seen Kiss before. Right. It's actually kind of a kind of a letdown if you're expecting them to be harder. You know, like it's uh Yeah, like if only they would have let me hear it so I could have been like, This is sucks. Yeah. You know what, Dad? You don't have to worry about me listening to this. I do not like it. With this song in particular, like the weirdness of the quotes, he's like, you know, in one of the quotes, he's like, what, what is the problem? And the he's talking to a scientist, I guess. I haven't seen the movie. I mean, I've seen Blade Runner, but right. he's like, he's like, what is the problem? Death. Death is the problem. And he's like, well, that's a little out of my jurisdiction. And the guy's like, I want more life. And it's like, still, when I listen to this song, I sort of get taken back to that place, like get taken back to that place of fear of like, the world's not gonna last past 1999. And by the time we get to 1999, the world is going to be an industrial hellscape, (laughs) right? It's just gonna be a total nightmare. We're talking talking the intro to Doom Eternal, you know, like there's gonna be demons walking the street, no place is gonna be safe except for the, and like these loud screeching sounds that, that are played on this song, remind me of like giant like bird monsters so when i hear this song it's one of the very few songs that'll actually like sort of put me back in that like feeling of being eight or nine years old and just being like really nervous about what's gonna come in the future you know like am i ever gonna see a sunny day again am i ever gonna you know and i just i think that that song in particular just sort of i think a lot of the times we chase like childhood memories Oh yeah, and even though my childhood memories aren't always like good, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, it, I still like sort of categorize it as important. Yeah. So like, I'll listen to that song and I'll try to think, it's like, what were you know, what were we doing back then, or why, why was I afraid? What was the sermon that I heard that was terrifying that made me think that like one of these days, like the sun wasn't going to work and everything was only going to be illuminated by artificial light <laughs> and and all of this stuff.
I think it's cool because it's like really successfully apocalyptic. And there's very few other Christian bands that have ever really hit. Because like Christian bands should be great about talking about the apocalypse. Oh yeah, that's that's where we should shine, baby. <laughs> yeah, like we we know all about it. We have we have a whole like this is what's gonna happen. This is exactly what order it's in. These are the sound cues that are that are gonna bring it about. When this trumpet sounds, this happens. When this trumpet sounds, that happens. And you know, yeah, like that song has always stuck with me. And it's actually a reason why, like, if I'm listening to this record and I were to fall asleep, I have to make sure this record is off because if I wake up in the middle of that song. I will have like a panic attack. You'll like, <laughs> yeah, 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 a hundred percent. I get that. I get it. Our childhood traumas that stick with us—they make no sense. It's like, objectively, as an adult, you know, like you, you, ha- you have had the conversations, and sometimes you just hang on to them for so long that it's like, even though they don't serve you, they serve you in a way of just like, oh yeah, there you are, you old yeah. son of a bitch. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, I thought I got rid of you. Why are you back? Yep, and it just happens to be on a record that I willingly will listen to, you know. And it's not like I was listening to this record back then, but it's like that song is like when people would describe like metal Mm -hmm. to me or just like non Christians (laughs) to me. Uh, This is just what I imagined that sounded like. It was just this absolutely dark and evil and hellish thing. And I think. I think a lot of that just came from the fact that as a kid that didn't have TV, your imagination is actually like more on Way fire. more. Yeah. Like you're imagining all kinds of horrible things. Um, Atari had a game called Haunted House. Yep. The game is absolute dog shit. The idea to six-year-old me of a game called Haunted House was terrifying. Chilling. Couldn't sleep. Panic-inducing haunted house a house that is haunted and i'm gonna play a game about it no like scary movies terrified me because i would never see them i would just see my version of them which is just me being murdered right because you your your brain's gonna fill in all the cracks it's gonna fill in all the gaps in the information hey guys it's me at this point in the podcast matt and i actually ended up having to take a little bit of a bio break I had to get some more water and all of that good stuff. But before we got back into the podcast topic, we started talking about a bunch of other things, and I just really liked the way that conversation flowed, and I wanted to include some of it in the episode, but we will eventually circle back to Circle of Dust before the end of this conversation. All right, now let's get back into it. I can be as cynical all day. I can listen to my dark, evil circle of dust albums and you know what I mean? Like, and, and, and yeah. try to like try, try to reason it out or whatever. And it could just be coincidence or not. I don't know. But like, it's well, definitely stuff like that, that like, no matter how far down I get, I've got a good imagination. I'm probably, it can probably always get worse. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. And 
So and and unfortunately, culturally, we are we are heading. So this is a new idea for me, but it, I I think it'll resonate with you. I yeah. kind of post World War Two to like nineteen eighty. I would like to call that like the analog age, mm-hmm. like. 70s was like peak analog like all the best shit like Macintosh Denon's almost everything that was being made analog back then is like the coolest speakers the greatest stuff and then you get into the 80s and you're about to enter the age of digital Yep. and it's terrible at first because it's always terrible at first and then you kind of get to the 90s and it's like digital is here and then kind of like 2000 to 2010 is really like this is peak digital and then around 2010 you get the iphone and you get social media and we enter what i'm calling this is me this first time i've said this in public the age of synthetic we are entering a synthetic age where like i'm not saying good or bad because nothing is good or bad it all has an argument for it but like sure we are entering a synthetic age we are entering a point where it's like i can rent a car and act like it's mine and it's not yep or i can put my voice into the ai configurator not a word and now i can record me saying anything and it's just like that is where that is the age that we are entering and and have entered i mean we really crossed the threshold but it's just like the next 10 years the it, what is real what isn't real yeah it's it's going to be challenged which makes me think that we're heading to a return to fatalism and for a lot of people where it's just like i don't even know <laughs> you know like yeah. real like not knowing anything and we'll just leave it to fate we'll just yeah. leave it to whatever i can't i gotta live my life anyway so i'm just gonna leave it to fate that you know and it's just like i understand it i don't necessarily like it i don't we got pretty deep for a circle of dust i agree there's a lot of fakeness um because i think that when i think synthetic the first word that pops in my head is fake right Mm -hmm. i think in a lot of ways the world is just as miserable as it has always been yes and even a record like this circle of dust one is like look at how you know because 1992 what 2002 2020 20 years ago or am i wrong with the 2012 and there's 30 years ago Mm -hmm. this is a snapshot of the world 30 years ago and it's just as depraved it's just as scary as it is now same as it ever was same as it ever was right but I also think that, like, now we have a lot more avenues for escapism yeah. uh, than we have ever had before. You know, Starfield just came out. I haven't played it yet. But it's just the idea that you can, you can sp- if you want to, you can forgo human contact. You can get yourself a beastly rig, you know, a, a beastly computer with all of the LEDs on it. And you know, you can get multiple monitors. I'm so glad my, see my wife married me before I went through my multi-monitor stage because I would still be single if she had met me after that. Right. I literally saw a meme the other day where it's like, yep, I walk into his apartment and there's two monitors and I'm like, nope, we have all of these experiences of like sort of, sort of crafted experiences. Like I'm guilty of that. Even when doing this podcast, like the solo episodes, how I can craft something exactly the way that I want it to sound. 
mm-hmm. so I could have it can have the emotion that I want it to have. But that's also why, like me talking to you, us having a two-way conversation is still really valuable to me because when we sit down, we didn't think we were going to talk about this. No way. You know, we didn't think we were going to, you know, go into like deeper territory about like the world we live in now versus the world that existed then and all that, you know, we were just going to talk about some beeps and boops and I was going to be like, Matt, thank you so much. And you're going to be like, Dan, it's a pleasure. And then, you know, like that's going right. to be that. And we will um, still do that, but it's just like, it's the journey, right? <laughs> it's the journey, right? Yeah. If you've made it this far into the podcast, holy shit. Thank you. I think that because we have so many different avenues for escapism, I think that sometimes we will escape to the point where we are not able to handle reality. And we're not able to handle harshness. You know, we're not able to handle misfortune. And I think that's why, at least for me, why a lot of the times I'll I'll react in such an extreme way, Mm. you know. At my age, an extreme way is like, I know I'm on this diet, but I'm going to go eat a cake tonight. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. Anything I can do to, to make it feel better. But I would say that like really the path forward for me has been trying to connect with people on an emotional level and try to connect with people on a critical level. Where, because like, if you, can, if you can get somebody to understand how you feel, that is more than likely going to resonate with something that they feel. Because we all feel the same things. We may not always feel them the exact same way, but that is the one thing that you're going to have in common with somebody else. And I think if I have to tie that back into the the record at all, I think that's where kind of where Circle of Dust was. They were communicating like harsh realities and harsh truths about the world that were very current Mm -hmm. at the time. And with them coming from the Christian background that they came from, they were dealing with people that may not have been receptive to that message because they didn't want to handle maybe the more harsh realities that we were living through. Yeah. You know, you know, as, as somebody who's been uh, practicing his faith his whole life, like I think there is a big piece of faith that gets unexamined because you can start thinking that you're doing something right. Yeah. When it's, like no that's the you're not right pretty much ever is kind of the yeah. point yeah <laughs> like you can't do it <laughs> right so you thinking that you have command over anything is preposterous like only through me so like it's very well, we get so and this is this is goes beyond religion but we get religious about things or it's just like, well, you couldn't possibly understand this thing that I understand in the way that I do. Yeah. And then somebody on the other side is like, the emperor has no clothes on. What are we talking about? Right. Yeah. You know, and you need and like if you don't examine that in yourself from time to time, then you, I feel like you're doing yourself a disservice. And I feel like these types of things that shine a light, even on our good Christian ways, are like, wait a minute, are they good? Are we being good? Are we really? Is this advancing the kingdom? Let's, you know. (laughs) Do we need to calm down or do we need to get more zealous? You know what I mean? Like that's the, you know, are we so so calm that we're apathetic or are we so zealous that we are now blind to the suffering that we're causing? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, because we don't realize who we hurt. Like, did you listen to the Mars Hill miniseries? Yes, I did. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's jacked. 
it's so messed up but it is also like my faith got better when i was listening to mars hill mine did not but it's because it that miniseries played way too much into my pessimism mm. you know because there's there's that side of it too where the prideful part of me is going to puff up and say yeah they're all they're all full of shit uh. and they're acting like it you know what I mean? Like that's that's mm -hmm. kind of and you know, but see, there's a moment where I can say the thing that I'm struggling with the most this week. I'll, I'll be real, like today, right now, is knowing something intellectually, but it not changing how I feel. Yep. You know, the the He Is Legend episode from last week was about that, about how like I know that everybody's not out to get me. I, I talked about in that episode. I talked about a job that I lost way million years ago, and it was because I was a bad culture fit, and everybody was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." I can't believe he's like this, or I can't believe he's like that. It's a really like anybody that comes up to you tomorrow and says, "I think everybody at my workplace is out to get me, and they don't like me." That sound that's delusional. And the thing that I had trouble struggling with was that like, yes, that did actually happen to me one time. One time. It is not the case at a new workplace. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not right. It's not the case at, at most workplaces. You're not going to run into that very often. But that experience left such a profound effect on me that when I would go into new places, I would immediately be mistrustful. And so I think with like the Mars Hill thing is like, I'm aware that like when I, when I say, yep, it's all confirmation. You know, it's my confirmation bias of, yep, sounds right. about right. That's how people act. The drill itself was a hand drill. A hand drill. A hand drill. You don't actually believe any of this, do you? A hand drill. Do you? Would you please just go home? You know, and they're not they're not really Christians, right? So why should I be one or why should I even care about this? I know that I'm a victim to confirmation bias. Right. But the key word is confirmation. Like I still feel you know, like it still feels right. And so having to kind of navigate that type of complexity is it, it definitely takes a toll on you. I, mean, I should not have this much gray hair. You know, <laughs> I look like I have frosted tips. It's ridiculous. It's like all gray hair, but I mean, you're doing great. <laughs> I'm trying. There was one last thing I wanted to talk about before yes. I, uh, before we, you know, people are like, okay, guy, we just wanted to hear about Circle of Dust. We, um, we're Circle, we're Dusties. <laughs> if anybody, if anybody's gotten to like episode five, season three of this podcast, they they know. The one thing I was going to bring up earlier was back in season one, I talked about a record called Scrolls of the Megaloth by the band Mortification, and they were a Christian death metal band from Australia. And their record, Scrolls of Megaloth, also came out in 1992. Uh, but it's definitely more in the spiritual realm. But it, it is a death metal classic. And it was actually one of the ones that, like, broke through. Like, I'm on all these, like, metal tape, extreme metal, like, tape trading Facebook groups and stuff. And there's, like, all these guys. There's, like, Cannibal Corpse, Deicide, Slayer, Mortification, Scrolls of the Megaloth. <laughs> You know, it's because the lyrical content there is just as brutal and gory. You know, it's, I mean, they, they go right into people burning to death in the lake of fire and like people screaming in agony. And they describe the crucifixion as like raw meat hanging from a skeletal cage and like all of this insanity. And in that episode, I brought up that like there was a certain attraction for me because I was 
I grew up in a fire and brimstone type of environment that that is actually had the unintended effect of like when I heard a record like that, it sort of attracted itself to me because it was familiar <laughs> in a messed right. up way. And that's, that's largely how I feel. You know, I was talking about that song, Pale Reflection. That's largely, you know, I, I wonder sometimes if that trauma isn't a direct result of sort of like, I've now taken this trauma and I've transferred it to something that I actually find enjoyable now. It's the only way I've ever been able to explain like how you could grow up that religious and have these types of interests. That makes sense. That yeah. does make sense. I was going to ask you if you have found, especially in, in having a Christian upbringing, if you've ever encountered anything like that, um, if like your interest in, because I mean, you know, most good Christian boys don't listen to goth industrial. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Um, so I was wondering if there was any semblance of that with you or if it was just sort of like a, I'm going to do this because it's the rebellious thing to do. Good question. I would say that we weren't Pentecostal in that sense. Like sure. Lutheran is the, the Lutheran church that we went to. They definitely would not have been like, Oh, it's great that you're listening to too short. You right. Know? <laughs> My dad was very much a dad of, I cannot pretend that the world isn't out there. I cannot wrap you in cat I mean, cotton batten is what he would say all the time. He would say like the world is a big buffet table and you have to know what to eat and what not to eat. So in that way, there wasn't a lot of rebellion in that. I think the rebellion did turn out from music was a huge part of my connecting with my dad. My dad was very much into the blues, liked rock and roll. We liked a lot of the same music until like alternative happened. Right. And when alternative happened, it was kind of like where he tapped out. He was like, he did not like Nirvana. Yeah. He did not like ministry. He did not like these bands. So it was like this thing that just kind of became mine. So that, that was really the arc there where it was like, now this is my taste and unfortunately a lot of it i go back to and revisit and it's it leaves me cold i'm just like eh, my dad might have been right this is not very good <laughs> right right yeah. you know like this is not the you know long lasting this is very much ozzy mendias <laughs> for sure for <laughs> like sure this has faded to time but at the time it meant a lot to me where it's like like ministry i still very much connect with i'm like this is still excellent nine inch nails a little less Pretty yeah. Hate Machine, all-timer. Downward Spiral? Not like in the 90s. I'm like, Interesting. I, I just, I don't know. I'm just not that angry anymore. Yeah, you know? I feel that. You yeah. know, like there's some things that I'm just not as angry as I used to be. But I was never really angry. Well, I, inside of me, I'm sure somewhere there is a spark that is filled with rage. That sure. I have been Midwest tamping down. Just, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, it's fine. It's you're already preparing your apology for the day that that comes out. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, sliding through. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what you guys don't realize is like after uh, after we're done recording, I'm going to tell Matt like how sorry I am that I was all over the place. At the, you know what I mean? Like we do that, you know, but we have was to. a little bit we scattershot in my answer to you but they, about my childhood thing. So I'm so, very sorry about that. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Sorry so much. Sorry I'm just so going to scooch by you here. <laughs> And then we won't text each other for like a full day after that. Right. And then I'll be like, Dan hates me. Dan hates me. And I blew it. 
I'll never be in the dungeon again. Never asking me into that dungeon ever again. Um, and I do think that that probably is the best place for us to be continued. I love it. For another day, for another season. But I appreciate you talking about this record with me, among other things. It's great. It re- if, if you've not listened to this, if you are listening and you have not listened to the record, check it out. Definitely, if you are a ministry fan, check this out. If you're a KMFDM fan, check this out. I, I cannot believe I've not heard this before. So I'm going to give you a recommendation, Matt. Oh, Yeah. So, you know how I said Clayton, you know, he, he quit Circle of Dust. He started Cell Dweller. He made a ton of money. I think he works on movie soundtracks now. Awesome. Uh, you know, great. Very, very, very successful guy. As you can tell, he, he was always talented. Yeah. Um, if you were sequencing in the 90s, you were really good at computers. In 2016, he finally got all, he got control of all the music. Again, all the music that he had released to Circle of Dust. He got the masters. He owns them. It's his music now. Awesome. And um, he, the first thing he did is he took those old albums and he spruced them up real good, put them on Spotify. That's what you heard. You got to hear the best version of the record because i even noticed that i was listening to my cd this my cd copy that i had ripped i was listening on my headphones and it sounded good i mean it was brainchild so i liked it when i listened to the spotify version which was probably streaming at lower quality than my flac file right the remaster is just absolutely night and day yeah you know uh brainchild sounds better now than it has ever sounded but in 2016 instead of instead of just being content with that he was like I wonder what Circle of Dust would sound like in 2016 if they had continued. And he put out a brand new Circle of Dust album called Machines of Our Disgrace. And if you liked Brainchild, let me tell you, this album is definitely worth checking out as well. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of DFT's Dungeon. If you guys like Matt Nas as much as I do, make sure to check him out every week on Roach Coach. I don't normally do this, but uh, next week I've got another really cool guest episode. I asked on Jeremy Allen Gould of the Rumors Are True podcast to talk about Strong Arms Advent of a Miracle. So make sure you're subscribed up and you don't miss that. I'll see you guys here next week.